This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This panic on the streets of London and this panic up and down the Premier League as City stick free past Villa to reignite their title challenge. They set up a crunch top of the table clash against Arsenal in midweek. But today we're looking back at the whys, what's, where's and how's of City free Villa 1. It's Monday the 13th of February. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Andrew Detmer. And I'm Ollie Kirsch. And this is the City Report Podcast. Unbelievable! Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Unlike most things floating over America and Canada at the moment, Andrew, you've not been shot down yet. So thank you very much for joining us. And uh, hopefully that you're not shot down this week. Yeah, I will be uh, filing my flight plans with the FAA at all times, just out of uh, an abundance of precaution. Um, mm. But yeah, no, th- things are good. Uh, and uh, the w- nice, uh, unseasonably warm spring day. So took a nice long walk this afternoon after uh, watching City dominate. Ah, yeah, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the best way to go about it. Um, sound the klaxon. Oliver, welcome back. It's been a hot minute. Um Actually, long-time listeners will know the first ever guest, apart from, obviously, Adam and I, that we had on the show. First things first, most importantly, how's the Bambino? All good. Great. We've got the sleeping routines down. Just started teething, so we're uh, getting a little bit shaky overnight. But no, great. Everything's great. And uh, a couple more years and she'll be in a city shirt at the Etihad. Fantastic stuff. Fantastic stuff. Well, we'll get into the football then. First things first, Ollie, um, moment of the weekend for you. Moment of the weekend for me has to be Ruben Diaz's return. 
I think he brought an air of confidence about the back line. Uh, the mm. somewhat reduced back line, only three of them today, obviously with Bernardo floating in and out and whoever else just managed to find themselves in, in our deepest third. But Ruben is, even though he's not captain, he's just such a leader. And I think he brings an air of confidence that no other player can. It's reminiscent of company, right? Even when company was in and out of form, um, just that presence on the pitch, I think, brings so much confidence. And there's no better vindication of what I'm saying than when he went off at half time and we kind of fell apart, to be honest. Fell apart's a bit harsh, oh, yeah. but no we, we weren't the force. No yeah, yeah we, we weren't quite the force that we were. But I'm sure we'll get on to that. But yeah, moment of the weekend for me, Ruben Diaz getting back on the pitch and doing what he does. There was a fantastic moment. I can't remember which Villa play went down, but. Gundogan, I think it was, kicked the ball out of play and, and Ruben Diaz lost his mind. He was like, none of this stuff. He's a proper football man, isn't he, Andrew? Um, your your moment of the weekend? Uh, you know, it, it technically occurred prior to the weekend officially beginning, but of course was dropped in the middle of the weekend. So I think it still counts. But the embargoed section of Pep's Ooh. press conference, including Pep uh, saying that we are responsible for Steven Gerrard slipping. <laughs> um that man has my heart. He has my soul. Um, I've often made fun of United fans for how excited Rio Ferdinand was when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said, or when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was handed basically a blank checkbook and said, you know, sign the contract forever you want. Mm. Pep Guardiola, you can stay at Manchester City <laughs> as long as you want, whatever it takes. We are yours to command, sir, because <laughs> that press conference was a work of art. Put the contract down on the table. Give him what yeah. he wants. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I guess sort of, you know, it is a Monday show and usually we'd kick straight off with the football. But I, I think, Holly, we have to sort of, in context with the football, but we have to digest what has been a pretty bizarre weekend. Andrew, you know, you gave the caveat. It wasn't exactly moment of the weekend. It was slap bang. It was Saturday night. I, I tell you what, I sat down. I'd fi- I finished work. Um, I was working a few matches, doing a few match reports. I finished work about 10 o'clock. I purposefully made sure I had the, the, the half 10, which is in the UK when the embargo slot came out. I sat down at 25 past 10 with a beer, ready to watch the press conference. That's how excited I was. I know you could look at that and go, it's absolutely cataclysmic behaviour from me on a Saturday night. But um, but it was it was fantastic. And Oliver, that that built into what was already a muchly anticipated game. We had the, the, the press conference on Friday and then obviously the embargo stuff. And for me, going to the stadium on Sunday, it felt like, it, it not necessarily as good as, but it had cup final vibes, that sort of... You know, there's been times this season, I think we've all been there where we've gone, okay, maybe it's a bit flat. We did an episode on the atmosphere, for goodness sake. But I felt like that game, the build up to it, obviously, then the banners that were, were, were displayed pretty much, it just felt like an occasion. And that can I, can I, can I hit you guys with a cliche? Can I hit you guys with the buzzword of the weekend? Siege mentality. Mm. And that is. That, that's what it was. Do you know what? The funniest thing is about these charges, the, the, the Premier League, whether you believe in the conspiracies or not, whether you believe the charges were well-intentioned to upload, uphold the law or not, whatever it is, those who thought that the charges would bring City down are so badly mistaken. Mm. I, I mean, I think I said it on Twitter the other day, it will just light a fire under the arses of every single person in that club. <laughs> um 
we're, we're a club, we've got jeopardy and chaos in our blood, whether it's good or bad, whether it's going two down in a game we need to win to win the title, or mm. whether it's holding the ball up thinking we're safe from relegation when actually we need another goal, right? <laughs> Jeopardy's in our blood, we embrace it and we love it. And when you combine the love of Jeopardy with the quality that we've got in the squad, you do not want to piss off this team. Because if you do mm. piss this team off... They're not going to go floating into the ether and start dropping the ball and losing games. They're going to come back and they're going to hit hard, right? There's, there's nothing more scary than a Pep Guardiola City team after a loss. Actually, there is something more scary. It's a Pep Guardiola City team at the Etihad after we've just had the entire establishment try and take us down, <laughs> right? And that that's what it was. That The whole build-up to the weekend leading into when the Premier League anthem played and was drowned out, I mean... The whole thing just built into into. I think we knew we were going to win that game ju- just from what's been going on. Yeah, it, it felt it felt like I said it felt like an occasion. And Andrew, I mentioned it. I mentioned it in the introduction. We're going to have to touch on it. That banner, "Panic on the Streets of London," obviously referenced to Lord Panic, who is Casey now. Obviously, uh, we're in the presence of a lawyer, so I won't be getting my K's and my Q's mixed up. But um, he is off the thing over here, thankfully, because <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. If, if my job title changed every time the gender of our head of state changed, well, actually, in this country, it well, exactly, really it wouldn't be an much, issue, would but, it? Um, you know, it's still that's one of those comical things where I'm just like, really, really, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens. The, the banner was incredible. The banner it was phenomenal. It was. What, what, what did what did social media make of it? Because obviously, you know, uh, you unlike us, so you went at the game. So, and I have not had a chance to digest yeah. any of. And to be honest, I'm not really. I don't really want to. Like, it was fantastic. We were pissing ourselves. Me and my dad were just like spellbounded by it. And I know the reaction. I can imagine the reaction from other people was a bit like, "Oh, what are they doing?" Blah blah blah. But it was. It felt. It felt tongue-in-cheek, which is exactly what this club and its fans are about. Yeah, and I think that a lot of the people that have lost their minds about it are missing the tongue-in-cheek nature or the Mm. fact that, like, as City fans, we have realized or been forced into having to care about some of this stuff in a way that I think a lot of fans rather would not have to talk Mm. about. Like, the lawyers the club has hired or the investigations or financial fair play, blah, blah, blah. And as fans, I think... If we could, we would not have to care about that stuff. Now, the one comment that I thought was interesting on it that I saw on social media was Kieran McGuire from the Price Football Pod. He retweeted a picture of it and said, will life ever be sane again? And I think that it, it raises a valid point with his discussion broadly about how much now football and financial government for, no, for the financial governance and geopolitics have mm-hmm. bled into the game mean that fans have to care about this in a way that is beyond nerds like he and I who care about it because <laughs> of our our day jobs caring about it that now like it is common for football fans to know about all of these things and I, it is just an an interesting lens or thought process particularly when you couple it with the other kind of news of the weekend of all of the changes that the Premier League had to make to the charge statement and release that it had made and even Kieran Maguire himself pointed out is that a reflection that this announcement was rushed in relation to the pending announcement of the independent regulator and so yeah the football was great this weekend that should be the focus but there is all the stuff in the background of one of the reasons that there is this reaction there is this atmosphere is what it feels like is you have a bunch of people all trying to hold on to their little vestiges of power 
when maybe they aren't qualified to do it. We're seeing it with the PGMOL and refereeing. I think we're seeing it with the way the Premier League is deciding to oversee this. You're seeing it with the way fans are reacting to it. Like, mm. We are in a weird state of flux, but I got to go to what Ali said is that like people thought that this might be a distraction. If anything, in a season where City were starting to be a little bit adrift and not have something to goad them, like this clearly goaded Pep, and based on the reaction in that first half, it clearly goaded the players. Would would that independent regulator be the independent regulator that's been delayed that might have uh, called off a potential Man United takeover from a Qatari consortium? Allegedly. I think that's the one. <laughs> Allegedly. Just checking. Mm. All right, no conspiracy yeah. theories here. I'll lay out the facts and let you guys decide on based on what. what Oliver, what's you've been back it. about eleven I, minutes, and we're already filing lawsuits against <laughs> against the what? Premier League. Charge one hundred and forty-six <laughs> against the City Report. Podcast. But what you guys have said is right. Like I yeah. get so much shit flung at me from a uh, from United. I, I, I'm in a WhatsApp group that's got a United fan, an Arsenal fan, and a few Leeds fans. Right. And I mean, the Leeds fans actually baffle me the most because they are not part of this establishment that's after City. <laughs> they never will be. And if they were ever taken over, they will be facing the exact same thing we are. So I call them turkeys voting for Christmas, right? But the amount of stuff that I'm flat that I've taken over the years about this, I'm thinking, I just wanted to enjoy City winning a few titles. I didn't want to become a fine, a, a, mm-hmm. a, an expert in football finance or, or laws surrounding um takeovers and ownership and sponsorship but because of the insane amount of content that we as fans have had to consume we've I mean I think we could all have a pretty good shot at getting some kind of formal qualification now in football or it's wild none of us wanted this but no it's what we've got to deal with um so yeah, and conspiracies, gotta love them. But there are quite a few <laughs> strange coincidences that appeared between Sunday and Wednesday last week, based on uh, whoever chairs the Premier League. That is, as some press outlets have said, might be a Manchester United fan. Combined with the takeover news for United, combined with the delayed white paper after these charges were filed, with some of them completely and utterly botched, including those in the big statement. It's all come at once. Like I said, I'm not going to push any conspiracy theories, just lay out the facts and uh, Mm. take what you want from that. Yeah, it's a good job we do have a lawyer because we may need it. Um, But no, you you, you, you are spot on, Oliver. It, It has been a week where, I mean sort of strange strangely enough uh, when me and my dad were on the on the walk up to the stadium um on sunday we bumped into an absolute chance meeting someone we've never met before basically they dropped the car keys on the floor and, and my dad picked up and he said thank you blah blah blah. and we're just walking up to the stadium with them and we we're discussing it and, I, and we we're having this exact conversation in the sense that we didn't we you'd never get into football for this you never ever ever andrew you mentioned it on the on the brilliant podcast you did in the sense that it's weird that you are doing something you do as a creative outlet you're coming on to speak of it as part of your day job and you know it was incredible to you know use the pet phrase incredible but you know, you shouldn't be doing that as a football fan. None of us should be doing it. And I think, Oliver, I'll throw it back at you. Moving into the sort of the match, in part two, we'll touch on the specifics of the football. So we'll keep this quick. But the City fans reacted, didn't they? And I think, it again, it pissed off a few people. But that first half was one of the best atmospheres. You know, take away Champions League semi-finals, take away 
big Manchester derbies, big title games against Liverpool. And to be fair, some of them haven't even been that good. But it was just bouncing from corner to corner. City's going down with a billion in the bank. Uh, obviously, booing the Premier League anthem. Fuck the Premier League being sung and stuff like that. It, it just felt like it, it felt like the collectiveness had overcome whatever had gone before it, and and the players responded more than anything. Yeah, and it was it was a nice change from what we've had for much of this season, which was a very much split fan base. There was some that were criticising the club over Chancelo's walkout. There was some that were criticising Pep over team selections, over perhaps the way he is or isn't getting on with some of the players in the dressing room. There have been a lot of divides amongst City fans and between City fans and the club over the last few months, and it was almost all wiped away. It, it felt like the whole stadium was pulling in the same direction that first half. I think it reached a crescendo when uh, uh, Diaz, Walker loose pass backwards, and Diaz was the last man up against, uh, I'm not 100% who it was, perhaps Ramsey or Watkins. Um, memory fails me off the top of my head, but he absolutely crashed into him, won the ball, and the stadium mm. just erupted. And... I've not heard a tackle celebrated like a goal for for a long time. Maybe maybe in the fixture against Villa at the end of last season when every every single mm. ball counted. And there, there was nothing particularly on the line at that point. I think we were 2-0 up at that stage. Um, but the stadium was, was bouncing today, but not necessarily bouncing with joy. It was, uh, there was an air of defiance. And I think when the ref made a couple of dodgy calls, that was perhaps <laughs> unleashed on him, maybe a little unjustly yeah. because the ref isn't the Premier League commission. Um, <laughs> but anyone that represented the establishment today was was kind of getting it in the neck. Um, and that, that was just the signals where we're at. I, I just hope that we can carry that same atmosphere forward mm. because this thing could drag on for years and we shouldn't forget over the next couple of years at least that we are still facing this down and mm. we've got to keep that up and, and keep that fire burning under the players that was clearly there today. Yeah, yeah, it was certainly, certainly cathartic and I think that was the overwhelming feeling. Um, right, okay, we promised some football talk. We'll be back in part two to deliver that. Hello and welcome back to the City Report podcast, your home for Manchester City daily content. Andrew, um, if the players needed any gearing up for it. We just spoke about the atmosphere. They certainly responded. And what, five minutes in? Rodri Header, that man loves a goal against Villa, doesn't he? He absolutely does. This one, it, in a way, was harder than the goal he scored at the end of last season. Because last season, he just... No, because hear me. I mean, that goal that he hit, you wouldn't expect most players to put that in, but that's kind of in Rodri's locker is just that mm. pass into the corner from outside the box. This was not an easy header. I mean, if you look at it before the sh- before the shot is taken, it's 0.07 xG. After the shot, it's only 0.08. Expect a goal on target. Like that is not a goal you expect to score. So, like great goal, great response. It went off in the chat that him just thumping the crest on his chest. Like Rodri is one of those guys. I think he and Diash both like they're the players that I expect to get and carry City with this mentality and this push and this pressure, if we are going to kind of turn the season around and retake the lead in this title race, it's going to be on the backs of those two because they're the biggest leaders on the pitch for me that this club has. Yeah, I've said multiple times before that for me, 
not in a sort of like turning the back on anyone else, but but Rodri City's captain, or at least should be, in the sense that not only does he play the most football matches, but you can tell he's an absolute born leader. And obviously he's Spanish, but his, his English is, is impeccable. And, and, and again, Ruben Diaz, obviously of a similar mould, I'd have absolutely loved to have seen Ruben Diaz's team talk. I don't even know if he did one, but I'm just assuming it was fantastic and, and would have made players run through bricks. And uh, speaking, speaking of fellas who love a goal against Villa, Oliver, um, I was having a little bit of flashbacks, to be honest. I see a ball going, kicking towards the south stand. I see a ball cut to the back post, to the back left-hand post, and Ilkay Gundogan popping up. Um, we've seen that one before, for sure, haven't we? Yeah, as Pep says, he doesn't like players that are in the box. He doesn't want you to be in the box. He wants you to arrive in the box. Mm. Gundo is the master at arriving in the box, which is weird because we've got somebody in Haaland now that is in the box. Um, but yeah. but Gundo is is just the master of timing, running him from those deeper midfield positions and, and and getting at the back stick. And it was nice to see because this season there have been times where we've perhaps been over reliant on somebody occupying that space that Haaland does. Um, <clears throat> already being there within the six yard box, we've got a lot less runners going into the box now in those central positions. So when it was Haaland himself with that freakish pace to get past Emi Martinez. The decision-making, by the way, Haaland, Haaland actually surprised me today um, because everything about that was just perfect. The, the, the audacity to chase down that loose ball, to pick it up and win it, then going against his own instincts, deciding not to shoot on sight when he did pick up the ball, but to wait, turn around, look at his options, little feint to the left, pull it right, and then on his right foot, put one right on the penalty, over the penalty spot for Gundo to start. I mean, the whole goal was just beautiful for more reasons than one. Um, it was Gundo showing the striker's instinct that we know he has when he gets into those positions, but also Haaland showing discipline not to just lash at his first sight on goal, um, but to pick his head up and see who's arriving to help him out. It, it was a great link-up, and I really enjoyed that one. It's almost like he's a good footballer. You know, after after weeks and weeks of opinion and thought pieces that he can't play in this Manchester City team, it's almost like he's he's quite a good footballer. Who'd have who'd have guessed? Um, I just thought he was a topping merchant, me. <laughs> well, apparently. I mean, Allegedly. I think what we saw to I think what we saw today was that when Diaz is in the team, we play differently, both in the sense that it felt that there was more intensity there, which I think stems from him a little bit. But I also think Pep is far more willing to take the home run chance to Holland mm. because there were multiple times today where there wasn't anything different between Holland having space and behind, but we actually made the ball. Yeah. I should yeah. say made the pass to try to get it to him. And I think that's because with Dish there, Pep believes this defense can actually maybe hold up a little bit more. Um, and it makes stuff happen, doesn't it? it I, I, that, that first half was, I can't like, if you've got a scale of, dog shit to absolutely fantastic the Spurs oh, yeah. first half and the Villa first half a completely opposite end of the scale and I mean I've not watched I've not actually watched either half back but just from that feeling that intensity that intent it felt like City wanted to win the football match for the first time in quite a number of weeks and and um Andrew, I'll, I'll stick with you because as good as it was, it, it did it did switch a little bit and it, it felt like the the tide maybe in terms of the emotion, the feeling, when with, with that penalty decision now, um, 
we don't exactly know what happened, but it it was a bit weird. I, I remember seeing Rodri grabbing the ball as soon as fantastic work from Jack Grealish. Who, uh, shout out because uh, I know he sort of divides opinion at times, but he was great. Should have on another day could have had a few goals if it wasn't for great defending and good goalkeeping. But he won the penalty, which is fantastic. Rodri runs to get it, and I'm thinking, oh, he's doing that leadership captain thing where he gets the ball, he ushers everyone away, he gives it to Haaland, and Haaland scores. Um, it looked like Rodri wanted to score it himself. Then Gundogan comes along. You've got Haaland, Gundogan, Rodri, Mares all there. Ultimately, Mares, to be honest, I thought he was going to miss. Fantastic penalty. But that was a bit weird, wasn't it, Andrew? That was a tiny bit weird. Yeah, it was. And I think Pep's comments have come out in the post-match and he said that Holland was feeling something at that point and that's why they took him off. And I imagine that may be why he didn't take the penalty. But mm. he said that... Um, said, you know, normally Erling is the first taker, Riyadh is the second one, Raji was involved, we will see what they say. I don't know, I need to talk to them. So Pep doesn't really know. So it also could be, I mean, Rodri may have been doing exactly what we're talking about because there has been studies done to show that yeah. not having your actual penalty taker be the one holding the ball and being at the spot mm-hmm. when all the nonsense occurring does improve the chances of this penalty going in. So who knows? Ultimately, doesn't matter. Goes in. It's 3-0. Things are feeling good. Unfortunately, though, that also that doesn't necessarily carry into the second half, which for me, there's two main reasons. One, and I love Akanji. I think he was a great, shrewd signing. But Ruben Diaz, he is not in terms of defending. Mm. And I think in a, the back three that we were playing, we were just always going to be more open with him on there. But also just, frankly, it's City attacking towards the family stand and there not being much of an atmosphere or anything you know yeah that's interesting that that you picked that up and i don't mean that in a sort of pejorative sense but in it obviously carried over to the broadcast and, and i felt that at the time and i said it at the time i said i don't i don't i don't understand why you have your most boisterous and and you know adam and i like old men in the corner of a pub a couple of weeks ago, we did an episode where we just slated the atmosphere and we said what was wrong with it, what needs to improve, blah, blah. I just don't, I don't get it. And that's, an, you know, let's keep it positive, Ollie. But that was another one. I'm thinking, mm. that second half as well, I don't know if it was a case of the atmosphere dropping down, people being buzzing, then obviously going to the halftime concourse, getting a beer, whatever. The players taking the foot of the gas, Haaland coming off, Alvarez going on, uh, Akanji coming on, Diaz going off. You know, there's a lot of mini factors there that probably contributed, but it felt like the city we've seen in the last few weeks, as opposed to that 45 minutes, which was like, wow, this is the team we know, this is the team we love. I'm actually going to go completely against the grain here, boys. I'm going to be a lot more positive about this. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. So, all right. Arsenal played at home yesterday. They've got a five-day break. Sorry, four-day break until their game against us at home on Wednesday. We've played today. We've got a day less rest until we go to play them, right? One of the great things about Pep City sides, even though we've always had a small squad, is that we are able to rest during the games. Yep. I am not reading into it this afternoon as much more than I think we were just resting on our feet. Um, listen, we, we were 3-0 up. Even in the second half, I think dog shit is harsh. I think we still controlled the game, mostly. We had a couple of scares, obviously their goal. But by and large, we kept possession well. We still had a couple of opportunities ourselves. Um, obviously, Mares skying one from three yards out. Uh, Alvarez, I think, went close as well, or he mishit a half volley. What I'm trying to say is, I, I, I don't think I think 
the second half. If we were if we take this game and transpose it into February of last season, would have said we battered them the first half, we went three 0 up, we've turned the energy down in the second half because we've got an important game midweek. Great win, job done, could have avoided conceding, but it's nothing big. We move forward. And I think I just think we are reading a little bit too much into that drop in performance because it's kind of, we've got PTSD from the last few months of really poor performances. I, I don't think it was a problem. I think we've rested, we've taken off key players. Obviously, the influence of Diaz leaving the pitch is big. Uh, Harlan, we need to be sure that he's not injured. Um, although those that believe that we are worse with him will be uh, really upset that he's not fit for Arsenal, right? Mate, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think we just we rested on our feet. We've got players that came off at half time that are going to get an extended rest as well, and we'll be fit and raring to go on Wednesday. I do not have a massive problem with the second half. I, I agree with you, Ali, uh, and a lot of those points on a broader scale. I do think there just was. When we talk about the drop, I do think you're right. A lot of it was energy and downshifting because you're 3-0 up. You don't need to expend all of the effort. However, I do think, and my point about, I think, particularly with Kanji, is that I think Akanji, if he comes in for DS in a back four, way less of an issue. I think Akanji in the weird hybrid back three that we had, that was always going to be more of a problem because he just is not the defender from a tactical and positioning standpoint that... Diash is, but it would stun me if Ruben Diash could have played two full 90s in that span of time, having not played previous matches, and he was on a yellow. I am perfectly happy for him to come off, and if it's a 3-1, I don't care. I don't care about conceding one goal as long as we ultimately still win, and if you're Arteta and you lose to City in the FA Cup, and then you lose to Everton, and then you draw to Brentford, and then you see what City has started to do, and you see the guy that you know better than a lot of people in Pep Guardiola, like coming out fit and firing in that press conference. And then this performance that they're concerned, like they're definitely going to be concerned going into that. And one more, one more point on that actually before I'm back to you, Amos, Uh, Arteta now has a massive problem for Wednesday because Harlan's knock, if it was a knock, assuming we weren't just resting him either way, Arteta is now facing a City team coming back into form with his own side starting to wobble a bit and he doesn't know what to prepare for at this point. Is he preparing for Haaland playing off the shoulder on the line or is he preparing for Alvarez to play dropping deep almost as a false nine? That that potential Haaland injury will cause some serious problems in the tactical room at Arsenal this week. I guarantee it. It's not the worst. It's, on principle, it's not a disaster that that happened. Obviously, we hope he's fit. Obviously, Arsenal fans hope he's fit because we're a lot worse with him. Um, <laughs> so everyone wants him fit. But yeah, Arteta is now not going to have a clue what to prepare for. And when you combine that with everything else, with the swings in form that are going on, um, I'm optimistic. I'm not going to say confident. I'm sure you guys, maybe I'll be on it or not, will do a, a preview for that. But as things stand tonight, I am optimistic, cautiously optimistic for the game. All of those factors, Haaland potentially being there, potentially not, Arsenal being in a wobble, City being in fine form, as the sort of City supporter I am, just makes me think that it's going to be an Arsenal walkover. But um, hey ho, that's that's <laughs> what that's that that's what you get from this establishment, um, guys. We'll, we'll start to wrap it up there, um, Andrew. This is being recorded before Super Bowl. However, I want you to put your balls on the line, Pep Guardiola style. Eagles, Kansas City Chiefs. Who's winning? Oh, it's the Eagles all the way, baby. 
Kansas City Chiefs, congratulations on your Super Bowl title. <laughs> um, Ollie, thank you very much. Thank you. Pleasure to be back. Andrew, thank you very much. Cheers, boss. And we will be back tomorrow as we start to look ahead to that big game. Arsenal against Manchester City, top of the table clash. We'll see you then. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.